Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The James Wilson Show. My name is James Wilson, and today we will be covering Nancy Pelosi's team that will be overseeing Donald Trump's response to the coronavirus. We'll get into Justin Trudeau's response to the shooting that took place in Canada a couple of weeks ago. And of course, we'll get to CNN's opinion on Joe Biden versus Donald Trump. Stay tuned. You're listening to The James Wilson Show. All right, so a lot of big news to get to today, whether it's the coronavirus or Justin Trudeau or CNN, lots of stuff to talk about today. But before we get into that, just another daily reminder like I do on the show, a website is coming soon with lots of amazing features such as my podcast episodes, articles I write weekly, and a place where you can sign up to ask a question on the show and I answer on my podcast. So all exciting features. I'm very excited for it myself. And of course, there'll be more information to come when that's coming up. But just your daily reminder that that is happening and stay tuned for that. So the first piece of news that we get into today happens to be about Nancy Pelosi's um, team, the team that she assembled, a committee to oversee President Donald Trump's response to the coronavirus and how money will be dealt with from the bills that Congress had passed. Now, it seems like we're talking a lot about Nancy Pelosi, and that is because she is not very happy with Trump's response and has been doing a lot of um, certain things that, you know, can somewhat be seen as controversial. So one of these things happens to be the committee that she's assembled. So Daily Wire reports, quote, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi on Wednesday appointed several high-profile Democrats who have been outspoken advocates for impeachment in the past to sit on a new committee overseeing the Trump administration's response to the coronavirus pandemic, prompting House Republicans to blast the effort as impeachment 2.0. Now, this is the first thing I want to talk about real quick. So Nancy Pelosi has a plan. Whether that is that she wants to assemble a team to oversee Trump's response to the coronavirus. But when you start to look in, into it, and we'll get to in a little bit uh, after we finish reading, but when you start to look into what Nancy Pelosi is actually doing and how she's trying to accomplish that, you start to realize that it's a little bit more than what she's saying on the surface. So she wants to assemble a committee to oversee Trump, but all she does is she appoints Democrats who wanted to impeach Trump onto the committee. Now, from that, what do you think the response, the committee's response to Trump will be? Obviously, it will be seriously negative, and I'd be surprised if it were anything else, because here you got a lot of people who hate Trump assigned to a a committee where they're supposed to oversee what Trump does. They're obviously not going to like what he does because they disagree with him and are willing to impeach him on, you know, the idea, whether it's with Ukraine and Joe Biden, Burisma, Hunter Biden, whether it's that, if they're willing to impeach him for that, what will they be willing to do if they hate Trump so much and they hate his response to the coronavirus? Now, these are all questions we have to be asking, even when Nancy Pelosi says it's just to oversee Trump's response. Continuing, Pelosi, Democrat from California, and Representative James Clyburn, Democrat from South Carolina, who will chair the committee, announced six Democrats to serve on the committee. House Financial Service Committee Chair... Chairwoman Maxine Waters, Democrat from California. That's a big name. We know her from impeachment. House Oversight Committee Chairwoman 
Carol Maloney, Democrat from New York, House Small Business Committee Chairwoman Naida Valdezquez, I'm probably butchering these names, Democrat from New York, and Representatives Bill Foster, Democrat from Illinois, and Jamie Raskin, Democrat, Democrat from Minnesota, and Andy Kim, Democrat from New Jersey. The House voted last week to approve the creation of the committee to oversee the federal response, even as Republicans blasted the idea as politically motivated and argued Democrats would use it as a, a form to attack the president. Pelosi said the committee was designed to address the here and now, specifically concerning the allocation of historic amount of federal funds directed to the economic recovery. So now this is an interesting point to talk about because Democrats who who mainly ap- uh, approve of a bigger government also want bigger spending. You've got the squad, which is in the House of Representatives, who want to pass the Green New Deal, a 93 trillion dollar bill that would for sure bankrupt our economy. Many are in support of a one-payer health care system or Medicare for all, which costs estimated 30 trillion dollars every 10 years. So when you start to see, Democrats are kind of nervous when someone else handles this huge amount of money. And conservatives are also very concerned that this is a huge sum of money. Now, this is interesting to point out because when Democrats are the ones spending it, they're not nervous at all. But when Republicans or conservatives, President Donald Trump in this case, is supposed to see this over, um, see the oversight of this money and where it's being spent, they don't trust him at all. Now, this reveals something that about the Democratic Party. Do they trust the government? Now, this is an interesting question because in this case, they don't. They don't trust that this, the spending will go out to you know, its, in its proper ways by President Donald Trump. But then why would they want to make that government bigger if they have to oversee everything the government does? So you've got this interesting hypocrisy going that you want to make the government bigger, but you don't actually trust the government. So while the solutions may work when they're in power, what will happen later when they're not? So these are all interesting questions that we have to be asking ourselves. As we see, they want to spend a lot of money, but they don't trust Republicans at all. So interesting things to point out. Um, You know, all of these things are really interesting. So we're going to go through three things that need to happen in order to, to figure out what's really going on behind that. And what is the goal of doing this? The second question is, what is the end goal of this happening? And the third question is, how will this be carried out? How will they do this? You know, in other words, how will they do this? So there are two solutions. One that the Democrats, Nancy Pelosi, are proposing they want to happen. And one that we'll get into, which makes a little bit more sense. So Nancy Pelosi says she wants to make sure money is distributed fairly and that President Donald Trump doesn't abuse it. So that's what she's saying. So then the end goal of this happening, if that's what she really wanted, if that's what she assigned the committee to do, the end goal, what she should want is that money goes to where it's supposed to be. But how will this be carried out? And this is where we start to get into the interesting concept of, is she really going about this the best way? If she was going to do this, you need a fair and balanced committee to make sure that Trump is doing this in the right way. If you have a committee... If you have full Republicans, that wouldn't work either because 
Because, for example, they might like everything that President Donald Trump does, even if it may be wrong in some circumstances. Now, I'm not saying that that is what's happening, but I am saying that that could be a possibility. So you can't have completely partisan, um, a, a completely partisan committee on both sides. If it's conservatives, they're going to favor whatever Trump does you know, to a certain extent. And if it's all Democrats, the opposite will be true. They'll hate everything that President Donald Trump is doing and, you know, accuse him of violating what, they're, what they were overseeing. So you have to have a fair and balanced committee if you want to make sure the money goes where it's supposed to and it's distributed fairly, which is exactly what Nancy Pelosi is arguing for. However, this is not what she's doing. She's arguing that we need to make this money be distributed fairly and we need to oversee that. But if she were to actually do that, she would be creating a fair and balanced committee, which we obviously see. Not only that, she is not only appointing Democrats, but she's appointing top, top Democrats who wanted to impeach President Donald Trump. If they're angry, if, if they're so mad that they're willing to impeach President Donald Trump for that, what will they be willing to do when they see that President Trump does something in response to the coronavirus that they don't like? So let me review, review, uh, reveal a second separate set of intentions that may be going on. Instead of making sure the money is distributed fairly, could this possibly be that they're trying to get President Donald Trump? They're trying to get him again for something? And as Al Green already said, the, saying the quiet part out loud, they wanted to impeach. They started looking into impeachment while President Donald Trump was running. Many of these Democrats have also said that you can impeach a president a second time. So this is something that's obviously on their mind as they're going about how they're going to get President Donald Trump to do this. So let's just say that the goal is to get President Donald Trump. I'm not saying that that's what Nancy Pelosi wants at this point, but let's continue along this strand. So what would be the end goal of this happening? This would be to try to impeach him again, to take action against him, to take some sort of action against him that would either you know, hurt him as a president and what he can do or hurt him in his 2020 election chances. Again, all of these Democrats are saying that you can impeach a president twice and that this all started when President Trump was running for office. I won't play the clip here, but that's what Al Green actually said. It's sort of ridiculous if you start to think about it. How would you do this, however? How would you try to get President Donald Trump? If you had conservatives, this would be much harder because, you know, obviously the impeachment was completely partisan. Democrats wanted it and Republicans didn't. So the only way you'd be able to do this is if you created a committee with people who 100% hated President Donald Trump. If your committee was entirely made up of people who don't like him and want to catch him for something so they can try and Im impeach him again. So going back through these steps... We start to see that instead of Nancy Pelosi really wanting to see that the money is fairly distributed, it starts to turn into instead that, sh that they really want to get President Donald Trump and they really want to either take action against him or impeach him again. So why did they start this committee? Now, this is still somewhat controversial, but do they really believe that President Donald Trump will use this money in an unfair way? I'd like to, I like to think that they don't. I, I think that this is something a little more than that. So, you know, all these interesting points, obviously I'm not saying that this is their motives. It looks very suspicious at this point, though. But you have to go back to the question. 
Why is Nancy Pelosi doing this? Is it really because that she wants that money distributed fairly? That may be a part of it. But then why would you create a completely partisan committee? It just doesn't add up, and it's something you have to look at when you're looking at current events such as these. Alright, so the second big news story of the day happens to be about the Second Amendment. Now, this also happens to be in Canada, so it doesn't directly apply to the Second Amendment. United States and Canada do not have the same governmental systems, and Canada is a lot more socialist or quote-unquote progressive than we are. But as we know, the sad story a couple weeks ago, April 19th, there was a shooter who dressed up as, you know, as a police member and law enforcement officer and then killed 22 people. Now, this is terrible. And I completely condemn that. That's awful. It should never happen. And one of the common misconceptions I see with conservatives is many people think that conservatives don't care about this. That is completely false, and I'm here today to say that's not true at all. Conservatives care just as much as Democrats do about when something like this happens. We just have different solutions about going how we can make this better while still having the ability to defend for ourselves and to protect against a tyrannical government. So there's different solutions, and I think conservatives and Democrats are and should uh, should and are to a certain extent, you know, committed to the same principle that this is wrong and should never have happened ever. So the Daily Wire reports, quote, a gunman disguised as a law enforcement officer officer killed 22 people in the Canadian province of Nova Scotia on April 19th. The shooter was armed with two rifles and several handguns. Royal Canadian Mounted Police Superintendent Darren Campbell said, according to The Guardian, these weapons were designed for one purpose and one purpose only, to kill the largest number of people in the shortest amount of time. There's no use and no place for these such we- for such weapons in Canada, Trudeau said. Effective immediately, it is no longer permitted to buy, sell, transport, import, or use military-grade assault weapons in this country. Okay, so as we all know, this is happening in Canada. This is not happening in the United States. But this does bring up an interesting point that I do want to talk about. Why is the Second Amendment so important in the United States? And why, you know, we've seen lots of tragic shootings, why this doesn't, this means that, this shouldn't mean that we need to ban all assault rifles immediately. And that all starts with one common misconception that, you know, many people get caught up in. And as Trudeau said, here's the misconception. Well, he didn't say it's a misconception, but here's what he said. These weapons were designed for one purpose and one purpose only. One purpose and one purpose only to kill the largest number of people in the shortest amount of time. And that is the misconception. As soon as you believe that the only purpose for these guns are to kill a lot of people in a short amount of time, it quickly becomes easy to want to ban these guns. However, there are multiple purposes for some of these bigger guns that can shoot more bullets and faster than just to kill people or, you know, just to harm other people. So let's get into that. What did the founders set up the Constitution for? What did, no, why did they set up the Second Amendment? Now, one of the first big reasons, probably the main reason the founders set this up, was to prevent against a tyrannical government. Now, you may be wondering, you know, we're the United States, we're a democracy, 
you know, how could this possibly happen in the United States? But let me give you an example. Stalin took guns away from his citizens in 1929 and then murdered 20 million of them once they were defenseless. Pot took guns away from his citizens in 1956, then murdered 2 million of them once defenseless. Defenseless. Hitler took guns away from his citizens in 1938, then murdered 13 million of them once defenseless, and Mao took guns away from his citizens in 1935, then murdered 20 million of them once defenseless. So while it may seem hard to believe we're in a we're in a democratic society, a Republican society, we have a republic democracy, an indirect democracy where we elect um, representatives to go to Congress and to make, you know, their, our votes for us. And we have a president who we elect every four years. This has been a big topic since we are in the year of the 2020 election. It may seem hard at this point to really visualize what a tyrannical government in the United States could look at could look like, or even in the next couple of decades. It doesn't seem possible just because of the situation we're in right now. However, let's take a look at the coronavirus, for example. It started as we need to be locked in our homes for two weeks so that we can get more medical supplies and ventilators out so we can help control the spread of COVID-19 once we're all out. Once we were in our houses, that was extended for weeks but it wasn't just a full two months right then and there. It was an extra two weeks, and then it was an extra two weeks, and then it was another month. You know, it was slowly and steady, taking extra little steps until you got to the point where we've been locked in our houses for almost two months. Almost two months in 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 a little over a week. And that is how tyr- tyranny forms. Not necessarily in the coronavirus way, but in a way where small steps, where we need to take away assault rifles, we need to take away these handguns, we need to take away all guns. Now you're defenseless, and now we have more power. We need to give more power to the federal government. We need to create a larger government to control these aspects of your lives. We need to have higher taxes so we can help these people. It may seem like good causes, and it may seem like a good spend of money, but all of those ideas just create a bigger government. And once you have a bigger government with more power, they can do more. Again, it wouldn't be a full-out next election and all of a sudden we're in a tyranny. That's not what would happen. It would be in slow steps, or our liberties would be slowly taken away until we don't have any more. And then the government has full power and control over us, which is something that we cannot accept in the greatest society in the world that has ever existed with capitalism, with individual liberties, you know, and all of the things that we can experience in this country because we are so prosperous and because we have such a good constitution that allows us to have these rights. So it would, it would take steps, but one of the main reasons why we have guns, or at least according to the founders, was so we can prevent against a tyrannical government. Another misconception that many people have is that good guys can't stop bad guys with guns. Both can have guns, but one thing is for sure, good guys have stopped bad guys with guns all the time. And that is why I support and am an advocate for teachers having guns in school so they can protect other students in case in case someone else, a gunman, came in with a gun. And that is because you have to realize 
you have to realize that bad people are going to get guns no matter what. You may be able to reduce it, but there will still be plenty of opportunities. There will still be ways that bad guys can get guns. And this is, this is pertaining to self-defense. We're no longer on the, the idea of tyranny. But if no one has a gun, how do you defend yourselves when someone does have a gun? And that is why, you know, advocating for, you know, guns for teachers to have and concealing, conceal carry permits are such a good idea. So we can defend ourselves in the public and in private. As we know, Better O'Rourke was a, a strong advocate against, against AR-15s. And one... One lady questioned him, saying that I'm a single mother, I'm five foot, and I have four kids. If someone comes through my door, what am I supposed to do? Responsible citizens should be able to have guns, and that is so they can protect themselves, and they can protect themselves against a tyrannical government. So those are both ways that guns, including these bigger guns that Justin Trudeau wants to ban, and essentially has banned at this point, those are some uses of the guns. So it all starts with this common misconception that these weapons were designed for one purpose and one purpose only, to kill the largest number of people in the shortest amount of time. Again, if you believe that, if you get that into your mind, it's easy to suggest that we need to ban these. However, we need to be looking at the full picture. What is the full use for these weapons? And then and then from there, we'll be able to decide you know, protecting against a tyrannical government and using them for self-defense is a pretty big deal. But if you don't, if you're not even recognizing those, you can't possibly make an argument against banning all guns because you need to understand why, why, why these guns may be used. So I'd like to finish this segment with a Benjamin Franklin quote, where you have liberty when the government is afraid of the people. You have tyranny when the people are afraid of the government. And that is one reason why the Second Amendment protects us from these rights. So again, as this is in Canada, this isn't happening in the United States. We're not going to wake up and all of our AR-15s are gone. But this is something, as we see around the world, you know, countries are cracking down on these guns. And we need to remain strong in the Second Amendment and being able to have these liberties so we don't fall into tyranny and chaos 50 to 100 years down the road. So the last part I would like to get to in this episode, I've talked about it a lot before, Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. So we've talked a lot about New York Times opinion articles, CNN opinion articles, lots of predictions out for the 2020 election. Now, if you don't know, if you haven't listened to any of my other episodes, I'm pretty confident that Donald Trump will win in 2020. And that is just because Donald Trump, not Donald Trump, Joe Biden is falling apart as we know it. Not physically, but linguistically. Donald, Joe, Joe Biden cannot string a sentence together that actually makes sense. So, as we usually do when we talk about Joe Biden bloopers, let's play some of the some of the some of the best Joe Biden bloopers um, over the course of the last year. Why, 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 you're getting nervous, man. And Corn Pop was a bad dude, and he ran a bunch of bad boys. I, I'm not sedentary. I don't. I get up and, and, and no, let, 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 let him go. Let him go. Look, the reason I'm running is because I've been around a long time and I know more than most people know. And I can get things done. That's why I'm running. And you want to check my shape on, let's do push-ups together, man. Let's do, let's run. Let's do whatever you want to do. Let's take my pizza. There have been no 
Marcus? No, you haven't. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. You said you were. Make sure the television, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone. And so he was up on the board, wouldn't listen to me. I said, hey, Esther, you, off the board, or I'll come up and drag you off. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the, go, you know the, you know the thing. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. I'm beginning to see why your wife left you. And he cut off a six-foot length of chain. He folded up. He said, you walk out with that chain. And you walk to the car and say, you may cut me, man, but I'm going to wrap this chain around your head. If you agree with me, go to Joe 30330 and help me in this fight. Thank you very much. All right, so lots of great bloopers from Joe Biden. Some of those they didn't even include, but they're really good, and they start to show us that Joe Biden really isn't that prepared to be president, whether it be because, you know, of his ideology, which is actually rather extreme when you don't compare him to some of the even more extreme candidates, but because he can no longer string a sentence together. Now, this is something that is going to be very important for him. We're in the middle of the coronavirus lockdown right now, so he's doing interviews from his living room, which, in fact, aren't doing very well anyway. But once he gets into the open, once he has a rally, a crowd again, this is going to become really evident of Joe Biden's problem, especially when he goes up to debate against President Donald Trump. Whether you like President Donald Trump or not, you know that he is a fierce debater and he's willing to come at his opponents. And that is something that's really going to hurt Joe Biden if he's not prepared for that. But this CNN opinion article thinks otherwise. So let's go ahead and read their opinion and, and sort, of, sort of go through the reasons why I disagree with that and why you should too. So they say, quote, Joe Biden seems to be inching closer to the White House by simply sitting at home. Although much of the nation has barely heard from the presumptive Democratic nominee since early March, President Donald Trump is struggling to maintain his legitimacy after asking his aides on Thursday whether zapping people with light or injecting them with disinfectants could cure COVID-19. The comments prompted, prompted even Fox News anchors to tell their viewers, don't try this at home. Now, if you haven't listened to my other episode, you should. We talk about disinfectant and some of the media madness surrounding that, but we, we actually listened to, we actually read his transcript. Now, this is something that the media is pushing because if they're able to take him out of context, they can make it sound really bad. Of course, if President Donald Trump said that you should inject yourself with bleach, that would be a bad thing. But Donald Trump did not say that. He did not say that at all. He said that's something they were looking into. And, you know, they've done experiments and they're testing that right now. He, he in no way suggested that we should go home and inject bleach into ourselves. And the, the fact that the media is still continuing to push this narrative really shows something about who the media is. Anyway, continuing, that's not the main point of the article. They continue, the situation is bleak for the GOP. Republicans are worried about a devastating election in November that might leave Democrats in control of the White House and both chambers of Congress. After a temporary spike in his approval ratings when the crisis started uh, for many Americans, the president's numbers have dropped. Every day, the nation is exposed to a commander-in-chief who is pressing the gas pedal in a runaway car without control of the wheel. That doesn't mean Joe Biden has an easy road ahead. 
With traditional campaigning brought to a standstill and media attention right, rightly focused on the pandemic, there's simply not, not that much room for the Democratic candidate to make his case for the nation. Biden has been holed up in home in Delaware trying to fight to find an alternative means to steer the national conversation, whether it's social media, live streams, or interviews with the local press. While some of these efforts might be getting through through to voters, by by and large, Biden has not been visible on national stage since Senator Bernie Sanders dropped out of the race. It might just be that the best thing that Biden can do right now is to lay low and let the president self-destruct. The more that the more that Trump says about the crisis, the worse he looks. So let's talk a little bit about this. A lot of things to say. The first thing they say is even by just sitting at home, Joe Biden is inching closer and closer to the White House. This is not true at all. President Donald Trump has been doing tons of press briefings that lots of people have been tuning into. These press briefings show what the Trump administration has been doing, what the coronavirus task force has been doing, what resources and new ideas and, you know, studies have come out since the last press conference and what we have learned from that, what Americans um, can learn from that and further coronavirus updates on what is actually happening. Now, funny enough to mention, CNN does not air these press briefings live. So that, again, shows us something about why would they do that? If this is so self-destructing to President Donald Trump, why would they not show these press briefings live? And that is because they CNN knows that the more, the more viewers that watch this, you know, the more they'll realize that President Donald Trump is actually doing a lot during this coronavirus pandemic. So when the spotlight is on Trump and Trump is doing a good job and no one even knows who Joe Biden is anymore because he's been in his living room for two months, that's good for President Trump and bad for Joe Biden. That's not good for Joe Biden. And as people see the bloopers, you know, gaffes, you know, all of these things, they start to realize that Joe Biden may not be ready for the presidency. Second thing they say, the situation is bleak for the GOP. We've talked about this on the show a lot, but we start to see this socialism versus Democrat Democrat split. You know, the Democratic Party is splitting, and that is because you have a far-left progressive such as Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders who are so far to the left it makes Joe Biden look moderate. We've talked a lot about on the show some of Joe Biden's opinions and his ideology, which actually aligns more to the extreme side than the more moderate side. So if Joe Biden can't appeal to the more extreme side, he, he, he's lost a large percentage of the Democratic Party. There's even a stat that 12% of Bernie Sanders supporters will vote for President Donald Trump. That is huge. That is really big and can hurt Joe Biden. But the farther he goes left, the harder time he will have to get the more moderate vote. So Donald Trump is, uh, not Donald Trump, Joe Biden is walking, walking a tightrope. And if he messes up and he doesn't get the moderate or the far left vote, the Democratic Party is in um, the bleak situation that CNN, the CNN opinion article is talking about. Last thing I want to talk about here is that Biden has not been very visible on the national stage since Senator Bernie Sanders dropped out of the race. Now, I'm reading this today. This article was published a week ago. Obviously, we know that's not true anymore. Biden is all over the news 
because of Tara Reid and the allegations that came from that. Or it is fair to point out that the circumstances were different a week ago. However, why was this not the top story last week? If the democratic narrative is really to believe all women, why wasn't this, on, you know, on the media last week? And that is a question we have to be asking ourselves through this all. And then they mentioned polling numbers, how um, Donald Trump is actually um, not doing as well in these polling numbers. However, just a recent Gallup's poll found um, that, you know, Donald Trump's overall job approval is at 49%. That, that's much higher than it used to be, even in March 13th to 22nd. There's a 47% of independents approve of the job he is doing as president. Now, this is also big. You know, 47%, that's one of the highest his approval ratings has ever been. And that 93% of Republicans and 8% of Democrats approve of the job Trump is doing. So if you've got 8% of Democrats who approve of what Trump is doing, and you've got another 12% of Bernie Sanders supporters who say they'll vote for Donald Trump because they don't like Joe Biden, he's not extreme enough, then that's 20% of the Democratic Party, essentially, unless some of these far-left far um, voters are independent. And when you have a huge chunk, 20% that could be voting Republican in 2020, that's what's going to hurt Joe Biden the most. So thanks for listening to this episode of The James Wilson Show. Thank you so much, and I'll talk to you Monday.